1: Happy 420 Hump Day. That is right. It is the day of the green, if you're a fan of that. Lori and Julia here to make you guys laugh for the next three hours, so enjoy a little bit of this dose, if you don't mind.
3: There you go. Thank you, Graham. Yeah. Well, Julia, we have to start off with, uh, first of all, I, didn't, I I really want to be in the double ride watching Court TV. I am oh. riveted, <laughs> as are you, Oh, with yeah. Johnny Depp, day two of testimony. It's... The best show on TV <laughs> really, right now. and if you have time, and you can... When you look at Court TV on the web or at home, however you watch it... They will show like yesterday's testimony. Yes. They you can watch it, live. it. They're replaying it. It's riveting. it's riveting.
1: Yeah, I never thought I'd ever watch any of it. and I couldn't leave your double watch. Oh yeah. no, yeah. twice. It, I was like, God, I gotta. I'm go like, to work. Lori's
3: like,
2: I can't do our show. I want to just sit here, and I'm like, Well, just sit <laughs> yeah. for a minute. <laughs> oh yeah, no, Johnny.
3: I could just listen to Johnny talk all day. But anyway, we're we're gonna save our you know the law of school in order for later in the show. But uh, Grant and I had the privilege of going to a movie last night. And there's not a media embargo. It opens on Friday, but we can talk about it because it has opened in New York and L.A. And he, his name came up in Depp's trial yesterday because Nicolas Cage was instrumental in Johnny Depp getting his first break, which was Wes Craven's, his two-minute scene in Nightmare on Elm Street. He's the boy who gets sucked through the bed. Oh, okay. Having the nightmare at the okay. very beginning of the movie. hmm Telling yeah. you that, Joey, because yes. you've never seen it, and yeah, I don't know. know you, you can, can spoil something from the 80s. I didn't, that's yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but that's ago, yeah. Johnny Depp's first job. And so Nicolas Cage uh, is brought up in the trial yesterday. Grant and I went and saw The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is a meta <laughs> movie, if you know what I mean by that. Don't where, tell everybody. Well, basically, it's basically... Uh, It's it's Nicolas Cage playing himself, doing a spoof on Nicolas Cage and all of his movies. But it is so clever and brilliant and hysterical. Mm -hmm. Really?
1: It is the freshest
3: thing I've seen in a long, long time.
1: That's the best way to put it. The freshest thing. I mean, you know, every bit of it, even the. As the movie's going through and developing itself... The Easter eggs? The Easter eggs. If you're a
3: Nick Cage fan. Okay. Yes,
1: if you're Nick Cage... Even if you're not, not, you'll enjoy the movie. Like, Lily came with us. She hasn't seen any of those classics, but still loved the movie. But I liked how, as you watch the movie, you would see the progression of the movie being talked out a little bit and made fun of as they go through it it's it just the development of it was perfect. It's that it, clever. It, yes. it is
3: so good. You'll love it. Nicholas Cage even more. And one of the things right away that I just, I knew that my heart was just going to be sparkling for this movie <laughs> is there's a, there's just a scene. I'm not giving anything away, but okay. there's a reference to when I fell in love with Nicholas Cage, when Valley he played girl. Valley girl, the mm-hmm. slouchy cool boy with the way his hair yes. was combed and, of course, they couldn't do anything, you know, uh, you know, the original Teeth are long. Yes. Those are gone. But there's a nod to Valley Girl. There's a nod to a lot of different Nicolas Cage movies. And the girl who plays his daughter is Lily Sheen. Okay, which is Kate Beckham's daughter with Michael Sheen.
2: Oh, really? I'm, yeah, I'm, I saw her trending today, and I'm like, who is she? Yeah, and I was thinking I, she's of-
3: Kate Beckinsale's oh, daughter, okay. I believe. And then the woman who plays, because I think this did happen. I think Nicolas Cage did marry a makeup artist that he met on I set. think he did. He's had many. Yeah, but I think, so this Irish woman who plays his wife Uh, The thing I most recognize her uh, from is this brilliant comedy called Catastrophe. Oh, yeah. Um, And And she plays the wife in that. And she's his wife, Pedro Pedro Pascal from The Mandalorian. He's in it. I mean, the movie starts off with Nicolas Cage taking a meeting, driving up to the Chateau Marmont (laughs) and eating outside at the Terrace. You know, which is like if you ever go to L.A., anyone can go out and eat in that Garden Terrace. It is so amazing. And it is a place that people have meetings and hang out. All the time, yes. It's just so weird to, to figure out how you get in there. And the parking, I think, And that you have keeps,
2: to have a really strong sense of self because you feel like you're going
3: down an alley. Some, Yeah, it's some weird. Day, Grant. And you don't know how to uh, you don't. park. You, you don't know know what to know do. parking out on the street. But which door to walk in. Yeah, yeah, right. It's just, and then he also, you know, we go to Mallorca. Most of the movie is in Mallorca, uh, oh, which beautiful. is the island, uh, you know, Spain. Okay. And, um,. I, I got to just spend a day there once, but it is beyond beautiful and a place you'd want to go and again. And this is all in the Nicolas Cage movie. Yes, yeah. it's called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Tiffany
1: Haddish is in it. There's a little action for you. There's good comedy. There's uh, a little bit of a love aspect that's we, very
3: minimal, but still there, you know. Our theater broke out in applause when yeah. really? was
1: yes. Oh, that
2: makes me so happy. He's going to be, I think, on Jimmy Kimmel tonight. Oh,
3: he I, is on Jimmy Kimmel.
2: Okay, oh, we got to get yeah. that for
1: tomorrow.
3: And, and we will when we come back. We do have audio because they did have a special screening that was held in Hollywood last night, and it was Nicolas Cage was there. Pedro, Tiffany Haddish, Lily Moshe. Who wrote this? Anyone? It well, it is produced. Um, I believe Nicolas Cage is one of the producers of the movie, and it basically he's he gets he gets involved in. I'm not going to even tell you what the no. twist is, but okay. he takes a, a one million dollar.
0: Uh, a yeah. I mean,
3: for a super fan yeah. in order to pay back debts. And this okay. guy just wants him at his birthday party. Okay. And he, that's what it's, that's the, tw- that's how the twist.
1: And he needs the money because like some of his roles in the past have been, you know, they, some would say, uh, Below not the way his acting, but the roles that he's taken have been below big bam bar. paid out
2: big pay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He's gone straight to video. So he
1: needs so he yeah. needs a little love. So he takes this million dollar offer and right. that's when the adventure begins. But of
3: course, also there's just as many people that say, you know, Nicolas Cage is one of the most brilliant, amazing actors of his generation. I mm-hmm. mean, because he has been fearless. Acting. At one point, you know, he was gonna be in play Superman. I never knew that one. Oh, oh yeah, he was. Good. I can't remember what iteration, but we know he's a Superman fan because he named his oldest son Kal El.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now I remember that story came up about a couple of weeks ago. I saw I read about that that he was potentially in. Line. It was the most recent one. The guy that we like. Um he, he's in um, Robert Pattinson. He was the Witcher. Who oh, plays the, the Henry, oh, Cavill. Oh, Henry Cavill? Yeah, I think I think he was actually in line for part of that role as as a like a flash forward, flashback type thing. Type of really? thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. So uh, yeah, his
3: son is you know because Nicolas Cage you know has I don't know if he's got two sons. Well, he has
2: another one, Weston. Weston and mm, and he said he was you know offered the roles in Lord of the Rings and in the Matrix, but at the time his son was too young and you had to commit to three years because Lord of the that's Rings right. was in three New years. Zealand yes. for three years and he didn't want to do that. He wanted to be home with his son. Oh, that's about the I, sweetest that's thing. That's what I thought too. Well, let's come back. Let's I'm just, glad
3: that he oh. has a hit though. Oh, this is just a huge, huge hit. And uh, all I can say is John Travolta somewhere is slapping his fist down and going, why didn't I think of that? Because he... Has a similar career. Well, not as many good movies as Nicolas Cage, I would say. But they were, of course, famously in Face Off. together.
1: Yeah, yes, they were. It, it's definitely going to rejuvenate his popularity. I mean, for oh, sure. absolutely. He's going to be pop culture heavy for the next month or so. Here yeah, for sure. I
3: think so. All right, listen, when we come back, it's our story we can't get enough of. Thanks for hanging out with us. Well, the movie The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is the meta movie, uh, that Nicolas Cage stars in. And basically, it's just self-reverential. It is mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage in on the joke on everything. Yeah. And it's clever and funny. And um, uh, um it's a movie about making movies in a way. So they had the premiere. They they did a special premiere at the um, Directors Guild of American Theater oh. in Hollywood last night. So all the outlets were there. I mean, Entertainment Tonight, Extra. So all of these cuts, we have... Nicolas Cage stopped and talked to basically everybody who was there. So the first one is he's being asked about, you know, basically being played to play himself in a movie, making fun of himself.
4: Two or three times I said, no, I don't think there was anything about the idea of playing myself in a movie with the name so-called Nick Cage that was, uh, anything but terrifying to me. I mean, it really was scary because I didn't know what the tone was gonna be. So I would I turned it down and then Tom Gormekin wrote me a, a very enthusiastic, sincere, and intelligent letter about some of the early work and what he really wanted to do. Yes, it is a comedy, but he also saw it as a celebration of sorts of the filmography. And what really put the hook in me with Tom Gormekin's vision, was that he wanted to do a series of vignettes where the nick cage character is in this cabinet of dr calagary kind of zone with leaving las vegas very quick but still the the black and white the makeup the set direction the art direction gone to 60 seconds and face off and it was that and the combination of playing this other version of so-called nick cage nikki and nikki is the younger Version that's constantly writing Nick and, and and trying to convince him to be a movie star and stop with all these art house movies and I love that character. He was a lot of fun to play for me. He steals the show. He's so,
2: He's so you know who he talks exactly like. Yeah. Stephanie Hanson's husband, Kurt Johnson.
3: Yeah, there there is a cadence there. Oh, my word. I'm like, it sounds like Kurt. And even in the movie, you know, I mean, there are all these Easter eggs about different movies. Um, Grant leaned over because there's one escaped me, and he's like, this movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what that reference is. Um, And then Pedro Pascal, who is so great in The Mandalorian, and he's been in other things, too. He was
1: in the most recent Wonder Woman. He was the bad guy in The Wonder Woman. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't call him a bad guy, but he's
3: but he is a phenomenal actor, and he and Nicholas Cage have incredible chemistry the together. The best
1: chemistry, the
3: best. And yeah. so here's here's Pedro talking about being a real life super fan of Nicholas
1: Cage. Well, the irony I think is that everyone's probably asking Nick, "What is it like to play yourself?" And it's arguable that I might be playing something closer to me than he is playing closer to him. He's playing like a version of himself, but this version of Hobby might be closer to me than that version of Nicolas Cage is to Nicolas Cage. So
4: you're a super fan.
1: I am a super fan of Nicolas Cage. Oh,
3: <laughs> and he right. plays a super fan because he's right. the one who's paying him a million dollars to come to his birthday party. Oh, I uh, love this. Um, and because Nicolas Cage has, if you look at, as he likes to call it, his filmography, mm-hmm. his movies are A to Z, okay? 100%. And one movie he does drop as a reference, and this isn't a spoiler, but I love that movie, Captain Corelli's Mandolin. (laughs) Oh, That movie was so (laughs) underappreciated and so overlooked. And that's
1: his sentiment the whole movie,
3: The whole movie, (laughs) you know, that 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 was a movie that he really, you know, had everything, history, love, you know, um... Anyway, so here's Nicolas Cage being asked, because I don't think he's done a musical yet.
1: I heard you want to get into maybe doing some
3: more comedies after this. Is this
4: true? Uh, Whatever the best script is that's available to me, I'll I'll do it. Whether it's a comedy or a little drama or an adventure film, anything that that works. (laughs) Perhaps a a musical? Oh, I would love to do it. Well, I've gone on record with that. That would be fantastic. I would love to try that. If
1: there was any movie from your anthology that you could make into a musical, what would it be?
4: from my anthology uh wild at heart oh Oh, i like that one yeah that's the only one to do that probably would be that almost was a musical so i'd like that that's it right there and that's a great
3: movie that wild Mm -hmm. at heart that i forgot about that movie um he did talk on one red carpet or one outlet talked about being in new orleans filming he's playing uh the vampire he's playing dracula In New Orleans. Okay. But it's about Dracula's henchman. Okay. Who's played by somebody else, so it's named after that character. But, you know, we've seen stills from that. And it's just like, oh, Nicolas Cage's vampire, that's going to be epic. Mm -hmm. He Um,
2: brought... Huh? he bought a haunted mansion, was gonna write a book in it.
3: Yeah, listen, he's got a a pyramid with a big eye in in the most famous cemetery in New Orleans. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so here he's being asked about the biggest misconception about him.
1: What do you think is the biggest
3: misconception about you?
4: About me? Yeah. Uh, Well, that I was not caring, that I was phoning movies in and not trying to inform the characters with real development and performance, uh, which I was.
1: You've also sort of compared this movie to running toward your fears, which is something I admire. What's something else in your life where you just had to confront something that you might have been afraid of? We took it all.
0: We brought them to our land. An endless night.
4: Ooh, uh, there's been some really hot ghost peppers that are very uh, hard on your digestive tract, and I did do some of those challenges. I was terrified, and I am kind of regret doing it. I, I'm still recovering. A lot of-
2: ghost pepper challenges. Okay, that's so funny. That's
3: hysterical. And then uh, there is a thing in the movie about the amazing... Movie Paddington 2, yeah. which is Chris Hewitt's like favorite, favorite movie. movie, it is many people's yes. favorite well, movie of all time. And I don't
1: think we could ruin anything by saying how it comes up, but like uh, Javi Pascal and, and Nicolas Cage are asking each other what their, about their favorite, favorite movie. movies right. okay. of all time And Javi holds off forever and then finally says the that s- it's Paddington, Paddington 2, 2 is his favorite movie, movie of, all of all time. All time. And
3: Nicholas Cage has never seen it and they end up watching it. So here they ask him about Paddington 2. Do you okay. agree with fictional Nick Cage about Paddington 2?
4: I do, actually. I do. I hadn't seen the movie until I did this movie, and then I treated myself to it, and I have to agree. It's a very poignant, funny, and and uh, emotional movie. Great. Makes and, and Hugh Grant is marvelous in it. He's marvelous yeah. in it.
3: <laughs> yeah. He he is marvelous in it, and, you know, um, I love that, you know, I mean, when he's he talked to People Magazine because I love stories about what if, Hollywood, yeah, what yeah, if yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. And he said there's no version of Nick Cage in reality that didn't want to spend time with his children. There's no version of me that didn't put family first. I turned down Lord of the Rings and I turned down Matrix. Yep.
2: Yeah. Because of yep. my
3: kids. And um Tom Cruise almost played Iron Man huh. instead of Robert Downey mm-hmm. Jr. Thank God that didn't Thank happen. Thank goodness that didn't happen. And Sylvester Stallone almost did Beverly Hills Cop.
2: Instead of um,
3: Eddie. Eddie Eddie Murphy. That yeah. just doesn't
2: seem real. You know, back to your Captain Corelli's mandolin that you oh, said is I so love that movie. The audience loved that, like 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. But who's in it with him, Laurie? Penelope
3: Cruz. And John Hurt. Yes. Who just passed. No, William Hurt just passed. Oh, you're right. You're yeah, right. You're right. John Hurt's okay. the actor who had the thing come out of his stomach an alien. And yeah. yeah. Where, <laughs> that's who it is. You're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> But Penelope Cruz yeah. was in it, and it was just a wonderful, <laughs> romantic movie. I want to see it again. It, yeah, it was really, really
1: good. On um, the exact opposite of that, if yeah. you get a chance, Willie's Wonderland was one of his more recent roles. Yeah, It's all about him going into a Chuck E. Cheese, and to get his car fixed, he's got to kill off all the animatronic guitarist animals. He literally, the we'll entire movie it. doesn't say an entire word. Oh he my grunts, he kills off animatronics, and he drinks grape soda the entire movie. It's oh called Willie's Wonderland. It came out in February of 2021. Good lord. It's I'm the mean, complete opposite.
3: Yeah, I'm going to completely pass on that one. <laughs> it's totally, Grant, but I love it that you said
2: it. Um, you know, when we come back, Abby Jimenez is with us. Um, she's a local best-selling New York Times author and owner of Naughty Cakes. Her latest book is The Bomb. We love it. What's happening in this traffic, Grant?
1: Alright, let's Take a look at your My Talk traffic here. Not- Thanks
2: for hanging out with us. We have another addition to the Lori and Julia book club and couldn't be more delighted to have back again. Abby Jimenez, um, a romance novelist and USA, USA Today, uh, Today's bestseller and author. This is her fourth novel. It's another winner. Abby, also locally owner of Nadia Cakes. Cakes winner on the hello. Food Network. Hello, hello, hello.
5: You've written another hit. <laughs> yes I'm so excited it's finally here I, they, I write them and then I have to wait a whole year for anybody to read them So, oh my gosh the Good book day. is
2: part of your world so give everybody Abby the setup for
5: this book okay so it's set in Minnesota I should tell all of you guys that right now uh, and it's about a uh, a very wealthy prestigious doctor who lives in Minneapolis and she meets a small town young man uh uh, in, in a tiny town that is a fictional Lynn's if you, if you'd like to know, um, and it's two hours away from where she lives. And they spark up this sort of like star-crossed romance. There's just no way that their lives can fit together. She has these really heavy expectations on her that come from her family and her career and, and he can't leave his small town. And it's just this really, really wonderful sort of opposites attract, um, uh, age gap, social gap romance. She is actually a few years older than him in this book, so uh, it's it's hitting a whole bunch of really really cool lists that I'm super excited about. It's um, uh, Buzzfeed's uh, list of hottest releases this week, and it's got three star reviews, and and I'm just so excited everybody's finally getting to read it. Oh, Abby,
2: it's so good. And I was just telling Lori, I never get to, Lori can read a book in a day. <laughs> and last Thursday, I read your book in a day. And I was so delighted to spend time with these characters. And you know, it it, it always, your books always have a message, um, as well as just being um, really delicious rom-coms, if you will. Mm-hmm. And why don't you tell us a story about what made you want to write this story?
5: Yeah. So uh, the underlying theme in this book, um, that, or the, the I guess the sort of grittier uh, theme in this book, is about domestic violence. The main character is just coming out of a abusive, a mentally and emotionally abusive relationship. And um, I did a lot of due diligence in writing this book. I, I had a ton of sensitivity readers on this book because I really wanted readers to walk away from this book mm-hmm. uh, either having a roadmap. Uh, to get out of that situation, if that's the situation they're in, or to be able to identify what they're seeing if they're witnessing this in someone they love. So, um, and I, and it's, I know it's like, that sounds really, really heavy, but it's also rom-com. It <laughs> is. All it my totally books is. Are, are funny, but they have a ton of depth to them as well. And, and I like to make sure that my readers come away feeling like they've learned something.
3: Well, and I think, you know, one of the things in your book, Part of Your World, and I, I mean, not to use, um you know i just i think it's your best one yet abby and it's, we've loved every book that you've had including i think the last time we talked to you was the happily ever life's too after short. playlist or life's, life's too, too short. short but we like and enjoy all of your book but there was something about part of your world and maybe it was because you're you know our, the character um alexa alexis excuse me you know, one of the misconceptions about abuse, ver- especially verbal and emotional abuse, is, well, it only happens to people that are from a certain background or... Weaker people, weaker, maybe. Weaker, whatever. You don't ever think of it as being something that happens to successful people. You don't think of it as something that happens to men. You know, we don't think of it as yeah. something that would happen to a woman that is as beautiful and everything, but she really... I think you do a really great job in your storytelling of how it does happen. And it's, it takes a lot of strength to, to get out of it because of the crazy making behavior on the part of the abuser. And so yeah. Daniel really gives her like, she's almost seen life through a man's eye who isn't that way in any way, yeah. shape or form.
5: Yeah, it's like, it's like being a frog in a pot of boiling water a mm-hmm. lot of times. And it happens so gradually over the course of, you know, such a long period of time, that a lot of women don't even realize that yep. they're in an abusive relationship, Um or that, you know, their, their partner is not treating them well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my best friend, she was, she's a very vocal advocate uh, for domestic violence survivors. She has a blog, and she talks openly about this. And my best friend, was in an extremely abusive marriage earlier on in her life. And my take on it, you know, I I I had never been in an abusive relationship or really known anyone who had been. And I always have this, you know, kind of opinion like, well, why wouldn't you just leave? I don't mm-hmm. understand why you would let her treat you like that. And when my best friend started telling me about her her story, I was like, I, I was shocked because she's intelligent, she's educated, she's strong, she's successful and and I and it was very eye-opening to me. Yeah, I yeah, realized that this can happen to anyone. It, and I, and that's really can. what I hope readers take away when they read this book that it can happen to anyone.
3: It, it really can and if you didn't grow up with it, you know, you don't recognize it and like I said the, these people are so good at at being manipulative that way and I Abby was in a relationship for about 2 years that was Verbally, emotionally abusive ended up getting physical like two times. But the verbal and emotional abuse, it would have been so much clearer to me if the hitting physically had happened sooner because that person really loves having you be on eggshells. So Alexis finding happiness and realizing, you know, oh, there is a whole other way, but this, her, her, her guy really. Really did a number on her and it takes a while.
5: Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't recognize emotional and mental abuse as abuse. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to explain to somebody, you know, especially when they don't do it in front of anyone else. Oh, they never do. Abusers. No, they never do. They're Mm -hmm. They're often very manipulative. They're very, very good at what they do. They're very good at it and i've had so many people i'm get, i can't even tell you how many messages i'm getting now the book is out and people are just like thank you for telling this story thank you for you know i i felt seen
2: you know and oh. that's
5: really honestly that it brings tears to my eyes because that's what i was hoping you know the majority of my readers are women yeah statistically speaking the majority of domestic violence survivors are women so i it's it's getting to the right audience and it just makes me so happy that I can get that message out there and, and, you know, teach people what this looks like, you know, normalize therapy for it. And and, and like I said, give a roadmap to those that maybe need to find a way out. And here's to to younger men. I know. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I, the age gap is not a huge, it's sort of like a little bit of a thing in the beginning where she's like, I can't date a guy that's 28. You know, I'm almost 38. Like it's a 10 year age gap. Um, but it really turns out to just be like a non-issue in mm-hmm. the, in the book as it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Daniel's very mature and Alexis is, they have so much in common while also having so little in common. And it, it, it's just so delicious watching them fall in love. I had so much fun writing this book. It just poured out of me. And it's getting such a good reception, too, which is really exciting.
2: If you're just joining us, we're talking with local New York Times bestselling author, Abby Jimenez. Her latest book, it's her fourth book, Part of Your World. It is so wonderful, Abby. And I also think there's something in here about judging a book by its cover and how people get so hung up on education and backgrounds and lifestyles without knowing someone's heart. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, you know, that's just such a poignant part and, in Daniel's lovely character. And did you say it's kind of, um, this town is kind of after L- Lanesboro?
5: Yes. So I couldn't use the actual Lanesboro because I needed there to be elements of this town that I had to fictionalize. Yeah. But if you re- if you read the book, you've ever been to Lanesboro, uh-huh. you're going to go, ah, oh, that's Lanesboro. Like uh-huh. I mentioned the river, I, the root river, the bike trail, the bluff, yep. you know, the tiny small town, um, one time I was actually in Lanesboro and I was talking to this cashier and she was telling me how everybody in the town is, they're volunteer firefighters. And whenever, whenever there's a fire, you have like your waiter runs out of the restaurant because <laughs> he's got to go fight a fire, you know, like <laughs> everyone that's working in a business just sort of drop, walk their door and runs out. And that's very much the town that Daniel lives in. Um, it's, it's called Wakan is the name of the town in the book. And it's a very like sleepy bed and breakfast town. And it's so, so, so fun to just visit there in the pages of this book.
2: It, it really, it's a wonderful book. And now you also have, you know, we know that it was the happily ever after playlist was optioned. Is there any progress and where that's going to, when we're going to be able to watch that on the big screen or the yes. little screen?
5: So they're in pitch meetings literally last week and this week. And I, and I can't, I can't say too much, okay. but I will say that part of your world, uh, I actually got an offer from Hallmark, uh, for a movie for part of your world, which I turned down because I didn't want, I, I felt like they weren't going to give the book the depth that it deserved. Okay. I didn't want it to just be another small town, big city girl romance, right? Um, which it was a good thing that I turned it down because something else very exciting happened after that that I can't talk about yet, but there will be, um, some exciting announcements soon. Let's just say that.
3: Okay, good. Because that's what Hallmark would have done with the Happily Ever After playlist. They would have totally done that. We wouldn't have got justice to that story. Yes.
5: And, and you know, like for me, it's never been my goal to have one of my books made into a movie. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I can be very objective about it. You know, it's not like I want to just snatch up the first movie offer that comes along. You know, I want to make sure it's right for the book. So I'm very excited about some things that are coming up for part of your world. So mm-hmm. um, you know, read it now. You can say that you were there before before it was cool.
2: Oh, Abby, <laughs> I don't know how you do it all and bake, um, have your lovely cupcakes um, out there. Are you how does how do you balance your time?
5: Uh, you know, I've got a really really amazing team at Nadia Cakes, and and they enable to me they enable me to be more behind the scenes and administrative. Uh, you know, right now I'm doing the book thing almost full time. I'm actually getting an in-person book tour for the first time in two years, yay! which is amazing. Um I'll be at Barnes & Noble tonight at 6 o'clock in Maple Grove. Oh, it's wonderful. A totally free, non-ticketed event. So anyone who wants to come down and have me sign a book or take a picture with me, that's where I will be at 6. Uh, and then I'm flying to Miami, Houston, and Boston. Well, so very good. I'm so excited to finally be back out in the world and doing the author's thing. I know, bet. The way that
3: I bet. That's Wait wonderful.
5: Um, Abby, what's the best way for
3: people to find out what you're doing? Are you your Twitter, Instagram, and face, Facebook?
5: You know, I'm having a lot of fun on TikTok right now. You are? Oh, okay. A lot of fun. Okay. Um, I, if you follow me on TikTok, yeah, my dogs are actually quite viral on TikTok. It's, it's pretty funny. Um, But I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on all the standard social media platforms. And then you can always check out my website for book tour stops and information on what I have coming up. Listen, we're so excited to
2: have you on again. We can't wait to hear what's happening with all your this latest book, too. The book is part of your world. Abby, thank you for your time. We've got two thank copies. You. Thank, thank you, you so much, and congratulations to you. Um, we are going to meet in person someday. Yes, we are. (laughs) Okay. All right. We've got two copies of the book to give away. Give us a buzz at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back.
1: Everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. Grant, thanks for... This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.
3: The royal trumpet, we were wondering. They uh, were promoting the heck out of it. Um, that Hoda Kotb was going to be sitting down with Prince Harry. Did she go to Germany? I think, I think she went to the Netherlands. The Netherlands, excuse yes, to me. the
2: Invictus Games. It looked like she was interviewing in him, yeah.
3: I think she was on they assignment, were. yeah. She was on assignment because I wondered if Gail King felt bad about it. But now that I think about it, Hoda went to Harry, and yes. we said yesterday that it would probably be a lot of softball uh, questions but um uh Hoda I got to give it up to her how she managed to bring up uh, uh, uh William N Harry and we have a lot of just short sound bites yeah. for you that were really interesting this uh, she asked him basically about you know all his life he grew up in England, yeah. and yes, he traveled and everything, but for the past year, I mean, he left all that, and the U.S. is now his home. Here's what he says.
0: And, you know, home, home for me now is, is, is you know, for the time being, it's in, it's in the, it's in the, the States. States. And it really, and it feels that way as well. Does um, it? Yeah. And it's, we've been welcomed with open arms, yeah. um, and it's got such a great community up in Santa Barbara. So
4: so you feel like good. that's
0: home more for you? Yeah. Is that weird to say? No, but I'm sure it'll become a thing and you know I'm- I love
2: that he said that no but I'm, I'm sure, sure it will become come a headline. thing because that will launch <laughs> yeah. a
3: million british there he headlines. home is in <laughs> right. Santa Barbara, California. Right. So I I love that that was just that was so 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 good. I was just I like it. so proud of Hoda. Yeah. Okay, cuz I'm sure this was a big get. I'm sure they were all trying to Oh yeah. get a sit down because he hasn't yeah. talked to anybody since the Oprah interview. Great. Okay, so this next one is, of course, talking about the Queen's Jubilee.
0: i a just age hey, you get bored of birthdays? You do? You think she's bored of her 96? She won't so. be bored of the Jubilee, will she? Uh, no. Okay. I don't think so. <laughs> she's, had a, she's had a few Jubilees now, so everyone's slightly, yeah. every, everyone is slightly different. But yeah. I think she, I'm sure she's looking do forward to it. Do you think you'll it. come? I don't know yet. There's lots of things, security uh, issues and everything else. So this is what I'm trying to do, trying to make it possible that you know I can get my kids to meet her.
2: So he's trying to figure it out.
3: And he needs Charles or the queen. And maybe he talked to her about that. Grandmother, grandmama. Help me out here. I need heavy security because my children would be... Primary, the same kind yep. of, uh, you know, like security William has. Yes. There's a lot of nuts. Mm-hmm. He just hired
1: uh, Barack Obama's former head sex, Secret Service agent. Yes. And, yeah, to and as his, his head of
3: security. Yeah. So, um, and also, someone did the royal math for us yesterday. We were wondering now, in 70 years on the crown as Queen Elizabeth, how many presidents? It's 14 U.S. presidents. Oh, wow. Queen Elizabeth <laughs> has met in her reign. So, as Holly wow. said yesterday, she's l- living history. Wow. Wow. Okay, then Hoda gets around to talking about fatherhood. Here we go. What do you love about
0: fatherhood? Oh, what I love about fatherhood? Yeah. All of it. The chaos, the learning, the reminder of just every element of yourself, your soul, right? Just it, oh. When you're not a parent, you can get sucked into all sorts of different yeah. stuff. And you maybe sometimes forget who you are. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, as a parent especially now Archie, the OG he's at, asking all the questions. What does he all ask? Que- it just, those questions of the why. Yeah. He's into the why stage. Yeah, yeah, Why this, why that, why that? Uh-huh. And instead of just trying to, like, I don't know, move it on, I give him the most honest answer that I can, mm-hmm. and then it goes on and on and on until he's satisfied, and then <laughs> that's it. It's done. Yeah. Otherwise, it ends up with, because the world is round, and that's the way that, <laughs> that life is. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I love it. I, I love every, every part of it. I've mm-hmm. always wanted to be... A dad I've always wanted to have my own kids and now I've got Mm. two little people who I'm responsible for. What do you love
2: Could you love him anymore? He's amazing. In that stage, the why I remember giving up one day. Why is the sky blue? And I'm like, (laughs) okay, forget it. Just because I said so. Yeah,
3: right, right. I I mean,
2: they go the why stage is is I just feel like
3: he is really a a
1: great dad and
3: is loving it. But I mean you you could just hear it. I mean I always
2: wanted to be a dad. He was the Funko, remember? Yes.
1: He's the best part of the royal family, and they just, yeah. it's just they yeah. don't want him. It's terrible. Well, I don't know. I we, might see,
3: we might see Charles change his mind about that so. one. Now, here he is. Uh, Hoda asks about, does he talk to Archie about his mom, Princess Diana? Do you tell them, or do you tell Archie he's old enough about your mom?
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. I don't Tell him all the stuff that happened, but suddenly, that this is you know, Grandma Diana, and we got a couple of photos up in the house. In these moments, do you ever feel your mom's presence? Yeah, no. Um, for me, um, it's constant. It has been over the last two years, more so than ever before. Hmm. Um, it's almost as though she's done her done her bit with my with my brother, and now she's very much like helping me. Got got him set up. Now she's helping me set up. That's what it feels like. You know. Um, he's got he's got his kids. I've got my kids. You know, the circumstances are obviously different. But no, she I I feel her presence in almost everything that I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely more so in the last two years than ever before. without uh-huh. question. So, so she's watching. Everest. I'm sure she's proud of you. I
3: thought that be, was sweet. She, but she would be thrilled that he's out yes. of that nest of vipers. She would be thrilled. If, and if you saw that movie, Spencer... With Kristen Stewart, mm-hmm. with a nest of vipers, That everything that goes in the machine of being yeah. real. So that was a very telling thing that he said. Now, here, let's play the last one where he talks about his grandmama.
0: You obviously made a lot of news recently. You came home to the UK. You saw your grandmother. How was that? It was great. It was really nice to see her. Be able to see her in some element of privacy was, was, was nice. I haven't had a chance to go back to the UK uh, for a couple of years, apart from those two times, one to for my grandfather's funeral and one for unveiling a statue of my mum. How did it feel, being back? Um, being with her. Being with her, it was great. It was it was just so nice to see her. You know, she's on she's on great form. We always she's always got a great sense of humour uh, with me, and I'm just making sure that she's you know protected and got the, the right people around. Well, her. You, you make her laugh. That's what she always says. Uh, I, did you do it again? Uh, yes, yeah, I did. Uh, both <laughs> Megan and I had tea with her, so it was it was really nice to catch up with her.
3: Okay, notice when he said. That he said, I'm just making sure that she's, you know, protected and got the right people around her. And that means all those vipers that Mm -hmm. are in the circle that have given her bad advice. And, you know, I I
2: thought thought that that was was very interesting in that we have a special relationship and I can always make her laugh. And she tells me things she doesn't tell the others, which was cut, which we didn't have time for.
3: Yeah. 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 She's quite fond of Harry.
2: Oh I'm so glad. I
3: know. So that's just a good it's interview. Nice to hear oh, his voice.
2: And how happy- Thanks Grant.
3: Yeah, thank you. That was a lot of uh
2: I didn't
3: <laughs>